0: Welcome to the Same Side Selling Podcast, dedicated to modern sales and marketing, innovation, and leadership. Here's your host, Ian Altman.
1: Hey, it's Ian Altman. We're joined this week by Haleli Azulai. She's an author of Employee Development on a Shoestring and Strength to Strength, how working from your strengths can help you lead a more fulfilling life. She's the president of Talent Grow, a consulting company she founded in 2006. We're gonna talk about the biggest misconceptions people have about leadership, the notion of whether leaders are born or made, the biggest mistake people make when cultivating new leaders, and specific steps you can take to get the most from leaders in your organization, and a surprising approach to what a leader's real job is in the organization. You're going to learn a ton from Haleli. Haleli, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ian. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. Of course. We're looking forward to tapping into your wisdom. And before we do that, can you share something surprising about you that our audience may not know?
0: Well, if I hadn't followed my dad's well-intentioned advice, I might have been a professional dancer because that's what I wanted to be when I grew up. Really? Yes.
1: Really? And and did you did you study dance?
0: I did when I was a teenager. I spent all my free time dancing and competing and teaching ballroom dancing actually of all things as a teenager. Not not very usual at the time. It was just me and socially awkward middle-aged men. But, you know, I loved it. <laughs> me and,
1: and socially awkward middle-aged men. That's
0: Well, that's that's who came for ballroom lessons. I'm making a very vast generalization, but, you know,
1: <laughs> but nonetheless, accurate. I remember before I got married, my wife and I took ballroom lessons, and um, because we we figured that at our at, at our first dance it was going to be legendary, and mm. it was great because nobody got injured, and so that was <laughs> that was how we measured the that's your
0: claim so, to fame. That
1: was how we measured the level of proficiency was that nobody got hurt. And that's, that's, that's a, that's a big thing. And I'm sure there are people in the audience thinking, so what about professional dance? And what I want to tap into is your knowledge about leadership. What's the biggest misconception that you see that people have about leadership?
0: You know, the the age-old question is, are leaders born or made? And I think that a lot of people have a misconception both that it's either something you have or you don't, which is not true, and that if you do think that you develop it, that the best way to develop it is to just throw people off the cliff and see if they can fly.
1: Because that's probably the way that most leaders were – we thrown yeah. to the wolves and yeah, if they survive, if they, if we come back tomorrow and they're still here, then yeah. I guess everything worked out. Okay.
0: Yeah. That's what they, feel. you know, they say, well, that's how I learned it. Well, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. So,
1: so when people do that, when they take these leaders and they just throw them to the wolves, what
0: happens? Well, the problem is that it's, It is not something you're necessarily born with, but every one of us is born with strengths that can contribute to great leadership. And great leadership can have many different forms. There are many different ways to do it well, which is good because that means a lot of different people can do it successfully. But there's so many skills that you need to build along the way, and the best way to build them is – to have some coaching, some mentorship, some guidance, some feedback, uh, trial and error, the ability to safely make mistakes, the way that we learn any other skill you know we spend time perfecting it and honing it and getting feedback so when you 're just throwing people off the cliff and seeing if they can fly or if you 're the kind of person who says sink or swim, just throw them on the deep end and see if they can swim you know you 're putting them in a much higher level of danger and discomfort than is necessary. And that means that it's much harder for people to actually, t- to be able to learn and feel comfortable. So a lot of people develop bad habits or freak out or recoil and fail. And what happens is then we have a lot of bad leaders walking around in our organizations and good employees leave bad managers.
1: Yeah, they don't leave bad companies. They they leave bad managers. And it's interesting that every metaphor we use for just seeing if they can figure it out is, well, sink or swim or Mm -hmm. throw them off a cliff or throw them to the wolves. And in every case, it's it's basically a metaphor that says they either succeed or they die. Die, yeah. And then and we wonder why people get in these positions and say, no, I don't want to take that next step in my career.
0: Exactly, I mean, people are scared to death of it, right? I mean, naturally, because you know it is really hard. It is really hard to be a leader, and it's really hard to be a manager in organizations and it's hard to be a first time supervisor. it's hard to be a middle manager. it's hard to be at the top. It's hard, so why do we have to make it harder
1: and, and let me let me ask you this because very often, for example, in sales organizations, there's this concept that says. Well, we're going to take, take Sue because Sue is an amazing salesperson. She is a phenomenal individual contributor, and we're going to make Sue now the sales manager or the director of sales or the VP of sales. What's the trap that people could be setting for themselves when they do that?
0: yeah this is so common so many times the people that rise up the ranks are people that have technical skills technical expertise Now think about this first of all we haven 't even thought about whether Sue has the the competencies that can help her be a manager or a leader or to help her develop those we but we also didn 't realize that or didn 't think about the fact that once Sue is promoted what we 're actually telling Sue to do is, you know, you know, this thing that you do really well, that you're the best at, that you do the fastest, that you do, uh, in a technically superior manner. All right. Now, all these people that are around you that haven't been doing it quite as well, quite as fast, quite as effectively now make them do it. And you get to do this other thing that you have no idea how to do, which is manage them, lead them. And, uh, great. Good luck. <laughs> You know, so now she has to do less. And so now, you know, when the work needs to get done, she has all of these barriers. Like she knows how to do it best, but if she keeps doing it, then she's going to get burned out because it's too much work. But if she just gives it to other people, she's struggling because she knows that she can do it faster or that they're going to make mistakes. So, what does she do? How does she? delegate that to them successfully. and We don't teach delegation to these people often. So they they just struggle in so many ways that we could help with, right? If we just give them more, um, give them a little bit of like the training wheels at the beginning when they're a new manager, a new leader, and help them successfully traverse this very challenging road.
1: Excellent. So let me ask you this, because I'm sure this is something that people are wondering. What are some of the skills that leaders should be looking for in people to lead, for example, their sales sales organization? So if I've got somebody who I say, you know what? Gee, I've got three people on my team who I think would like to take the next step. And now I'm trying to figure out which one of these people really has the right skills, the right attributes they're going to have the greatest likelihood of success because I don't want to promote somebody into a position where they fail because then I'm really not doing them any favors. Right. A, what are the attributes we look for? And B, what are some of the skills that we need to help them develop that they may not have if they haven't been in a leadership role before?
0: Yeah, well, you know, one of the biggest mistakes that leaders make is that they don't really have conversations with people about their own aspirations and motivations in their career. So my biggest question in response to your question is, first of all, which of those three people wants this? Because I think that when you have a, an internal motivation, a drive to learn something, you're going to learn it more um, you're going to learn to do it more effectively. You're going to learn it faster than someone who's going into it kicking or screaming or with much bigger apprehension. So that's not it. I would say it's it's required but not sufficient. Yep. But a lot of times we don't even have that conversation, right? And we're not teaching people when we don't have that conversation with them. We're not teaching them to be great leaders, to have those kinds of conversations with the people that they lead. Yep. So that would be my first um, sign that you're you're on the wrong path if you're looking for s- existing skills and competencies, and you're not asking about motivation.
1: Okay, so so first we need to make sure that we've got somebody who is is actually looking for this. I I, I remember there was a there was a guy who was my salesperson at Nordstrom, and he was the number one or number two salesperson nationally for Nordstrom in their in, it was in their suit department. And I bought – this is back in the day where I wore nothing but suits. When my wife first met me, she said the man did not own a pair of jeans, (laughs) and it was true. And um, so I had a ton of suits, and every 18 months or so, management would come to him and say, hey, Van, we want you to manage this apartment." And every time, Van would say, oh, I'm so flattered that you think of me this way, but I'm sure there are other people who would be better for this than me. Mm -hmm. And I talked to him because I overheard this conversation one time with the store manager. And I said, well, why wouldn't you take the position? He said, I don't want to manage people. Yeah, I I said, when I leave at the end of the day, there is nothing on my mind other than getting home and spending time with my family. And I make a really good living and the managers have to deal with all sorts of stuff that I don't want to deal with. And it was really interesting because people who are driven think, well, naturally he wants to be the manager. And then the store manager, No. He just wants yeah. to make money
0: and go home. Yeah, and and he's doing something that he's really good at and he's thriving and he loves it and he's a great employee. And so it's like a win-win all around as it is. Now we're going to go and just mess it all up because we're going to take him out of his element, make him do something he doesn't want to. He's going to resent it. He's going to fail at it because we all fail at the beginning of something we don't know how to do really well. So he's going to get in so many ways. And, you know, statistics say that Um, Only 25 to 30 people in any organization are engaged in their work. And so that means that the vast majority of people are disengaged or actively disengaged. So they're like – they're coming to work but they're dreading it or they come to work with an active dislike and they actually want to stir the pot against the organization – so, we're going to take this guy from a high performing salesperson and put him into the, one of these other categories. And eventually, he's going to burn out. He's going to leave. He's going to hate his work. Everything about that is a bad situation. So, I think that that, that internal drive. And now, you might talk to someone who says, I don't know. I don't know if I can do it. I'm scared. You know, they, they might. Look like they don 't want to, but you can see that it 's not that they don 't want to it 's that they 're worried or they 're scared or it 's hard and and they don 't know if they 've got what it takes, but that 's a very different thing than i 'm really clear i don 't want that
1: yep yeah, and so so that's that 's one side now let 's say we get somebody who says, Yeah, you know what i i want to i want to take this next step. I really want to do this. What skills might they need that are different from an individual sales rep, yeah, that are going to get them to that position because oftentimes what I find is there's two mistakes that I see, and then I'm interested in what these skills are. The two mistakes that I see are number one is we're going to make you the sales manager, and we also want you to keep doing all the selling you've been doing, which I think is you know kind of like you know I want you to cook with your right hand and play racquetball with a left hand, and mm. it's often two very different skills. Yeah and the And the other mistake is this person's been a great salesperson, which means they'll be great at leading other salespeople, which isn't necessarily the case. so what right. are the things the attributes and the skills and the coaching that we need to surround these people with to help them have the greatest opportunity for success
0: yeah i mean it's you're right and they're 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 very different skills, and we often make assumptions that people can just pick up the other side and also I totally agree with you that you cannot allow, you cannot tell the person that they need to continue performing at the same level and with the same intensity at their job as a salesperson. Now that they also have this additional responsibility, because guess what? When you're a leader, your job is to develop others and to get things done through others. And if the organization doesn't understand that and reduce that or, or invite that person to reduce the amount of, work work that they do so that they can free up bandwidth and time and energy to do the leadership work that they now need to do, they're, they're really setting them up for failure. And, and that's Helena, not let, fair.
1: Me, let me interrupt you for a second, because you said something that was so brilliant that I want to make sure that people didn't miss it.
0: Oh, I'm glad I which, said something brilliant. What which, was it? Which is, well, you
1: said many things that are brilliant, but this one <laughs> especially caught my attention, which is... The leader's job is to develop others. Yes. And I think that so often, especially people in sales leadership roles, think that their job is to monitor others, mm-hmm. not, to, not to develop others. And yeah. I believe that the top performing leaders are the people who are constantly coaching and mentoring their teams, not just monitoring their progress.
0: Absolutely. And people hate to feel like they've got someone who's just monitoring them, right? I mean, it, it makes, it demotivates people like, like nothing else to have just someone who's there as a, as a regulator, a, you know, authoritative boss. So. And okay, so if your job, if we agree that your job is not just to monitor others, but actually to develop them, then that means you have to make time to talk to people about, well, what, you know, what are your career goals and what are your learning goals and what would you like to learn? And here are some things that I think you can do that you haven't done until now that I'd like to get you to try to do. And I want to work with you to help you be successful, by the way. This is how you can delegate the work you were doing before to these other people so that it frees up your time. So it's a nice virtuous cycle where you're taking work that was on your desk and giving it to others, but you're doing it in a way that builds them up. So you're not dumping on them and they don't perceive you as dumping on them because you're having conversations with them about the purpose and the role and the goal. And you're also helping them succeed because you care that they – can continue to do it in a way that actually takes it off of your desk rather than having it ricochet right back onto it. But except for now, it's on fire and bleeding.
1: Yeah, the, boomerang, the boomerang delegation.
0: Yeah. I mean, that doesn't serve anyone uh, at all. So it takes time to do that, which means that you need to make time to do that, which means that you must delegate. So I would say It's not necessarily a leadership skill. It's more of a management skill, and we can certainly talk until we're blue in the face about the difference between leading and managing. But it's a keystone skill, which is delegating successfully and properly, that frees up some of your ability to lead.
1: So they need to be able to delegate. They need to be able to engage and question their team about their goals and priorities. And they need to be able to coach them. Through their, through their skills and different decisions that they have to make.
0: Yes, and teach them, right, teach them uh, the ability to make decisions so that they can move them into a more um, autonomous mode, which helps, again, it alleviates your need to babysit them, to micromanage them. The more that you can teach them how to make decisions and how to, to move forward on their own and how to solve their own problems, you're developing them and their skills and their own leadership, but you're also creating that kind of uh, space for you to then develop others or to be more strategic or to think of ways to improve the processes or bring new ideas into, the, into play in your organization and add value
1: yep and if you've got somebody in that new leadership role, so now we set them up and we say look we're not gonna we're not expecting you to go out and sell and manage your own territory as well as oversee these eight people we're You're just gonna focus on these eight people. What are some of the things that their boss, their leader, has to do to ensure that they're staying on top of that individual's development to make sure that they're able to handle the new position.
0: The leader's leader. Correct. Uh-huh. Well, and by the way, I, I work with leaders all the time in, my, in, in the work that I do, and I rarely find anybody whose sole job is leading others. In other words, that, that scenario you painted where you no longer have to do any of this, but just lead, that doesn't exist, well, I, but I we have I, somewhere get, in the middle.
1: Yeah, what, yeah. I, what I'm getting at is, so if I, if I put someone in a sales leadership role, I expect them to help other people bring in business, but there's a difference in that and saying, oh, you still have the Southeast of the United States as your own territory and you're managing these other eight territories. That's not practical. No. But to say you are out in the field and you're helping people and participating and helping everybody grow, but you don't have your own territory.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the way that you develop them is to think about what are some of the ways in which you can support their growth, right? So, again, it's that um, every leader's job is to develop the people that, that are on his or her team. And so if you're a leader of a leader, you need to teach that person leadership skills. So. They need to know that they can come to you with the new challenges that they have, that you can help them work through it and help them learn how to use their time effectively to manage. You can coach them and mentor them about ways in which you've done that successfully or seen others in the organization do that successfully so that they don't have to reinvent the wheel, teach them some of the tricks and the shortcuts that you've learned along the way, and and be a sounding board for them so that they don't feel like they're just flailing on their own and afraid to bring to you challenges or mistakes or, or concerns that they have. So, um, so, they need that.
1: So let me let me, give, let me give you a specific scenario that I see often, and yep. I want your guidance on how people should handle it. So okay. let's say that I'm the VP of sales and I've hired someone or there's someone on my team I've promoted into a sales manager role. And I see that they have some people on their team – who just – they're not improving. They're not really getting coached. It doesn't look like those people are hitting their numbers. So oftentimes what happens is this VP of sales comes in and says, these three guys aren't aren't doing their job. What are you doing about it? Which is, I believe, in the grand scheme of leadership, the absolute wrong way to handle it. So how should they handle that differently? What are the mistakes that people make in that scenario so that they can actually – Develop the leader as well as their team members in the best way possible.
0: So I would get curious, right? So what are some – what have you seen or what have you heard are some of the challenges or obstacles that these three people say they – they experience, right? Like what's, what do they see as getting in their way and how can we help remove those obstacles for them? How can I support you in removing those obstacles so that they are free to perform in a better place? Um, they're, you know, they're, talking about the motivation, you know, what's like, is that an obstacle? Is it a motivation? Is it an organizational obstacle? Is it a a misfit? You know, are they assigned to a territory that's not the best fit for them? And could you reassign? A lot of times people are just not set up to work to their strengths. And, you know, what, what, what ends up happening is there could be a different way to allocate work that allows more people to shine and less people to do things that they're terrible at.
1: Brilliant. So the idea is just to have that sense of curiosity instead of blame and finger-pointing, which oftentimes happens from the people who rose to that level of leadership without having the right mentoring to really lead. Instead of saying, well, why isn't this happening? Why isn't that happening? Instead, have that curiosity that says, so what do you think is getting in the way of their success? Mm-hmm. What, what
0: do you? And think of course, if you are? ask that question – that you know if that that new leader doesn't have the answers, it certainly hopefully encourages them to go figure it out, right? Like it gives sure it gives them a tool. And and it's interesting
1: because I just I just gave a keynote yesterday to about a, a company it's I guess about $18 billion. So it's a pretty good sized organization. And the president of the company who is new in this role just came in as president of this business unit and People and, and he wanted to meet the team that I was speaking to. And so he comes in and he says, someone said, well, you know, so, so what are your priorities? And he said, well, my first priority is to remove all the obstacles that are preventing you from growing our business. Because I want to make sure that none of those obstacles are sitting in your way. And everyone on the team said, wow, this is great. And after the meeting, I said to somebody, "I said, well, you realize what that means, right?" I said, "What?" I said, "Well, what it means is they're going to remove the obstacles that you've all agreed are the obstacles, and then you have no excuses." Yeah, no
0: excuses. <laughs> That's
1: right. You have no you know, excuses, I, which is a good thing.
0: Yeah, and you know, like ultimately, if if everybody's doing the right thing and asking those questions, and those three people don't know or or haven't figured it out or they're just the kind of people that keep you know inventing new obstacles when you remove the ones that exist well you know then okay that's a different problem but assuming first that there's something wrong with those people and that that's why they're underperforming you know it's potentially a missed opportunity
1: yeah absolutely i get it so what's the best way for people to connect with you and learn more about what you're doing
0: well, my website is talentgrow.com, and this is where I have information about the services that we offer as well as my podcast, um, The Talent Grow Show, which is all about leadership. And uh, if folks listening are interested, I have a guide that's called 10 Mistakes Leaders Make and How to Avoid Them, and that might be a great start for um, some thinking and some coaching on, uh, around great leadership. That's fantastic. And where can they get that? Uh, go to talentgrow.com forward slash same side
1: perfect perfect and so we will include that in the show notes so it'll be talentgrow.com slash same side and thanks so much for sharing your insights I'm sure that if the audience learned half as much as i did then i learned tw- then I learned twice as much as them <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know if I'm following your math, but I'm glad that math is not my thing and more power to you. <laughs> All right.
1: Thanks so much. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Ian. Haleli shared some great insight. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key information I think you can use and apply to your business right away. Remember, don't just throw people into the abyss and hope that they'll survive. We need to make sure that we cultivate leadership in people on our team so they can take the reins. I love the notion of asking them about their personal goals to make sure that you're putting someone in a position they're actually going to embrace. And then the leader's job is to develop others is a lesson we can all learn. And delegating is one of the key skills that they need to develop. Remember, this show gets the direction from you, the listener. If there's a topic I should cover or a guest I should have on the program, just drop me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing week. Add value and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, especially your customer.